2: Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 18 of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello, how are you doing? I hope that you're having a good week. Um, I've had a pretty good week, I've been working, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, just being out in the world in the way that we can now, which has been really exciting to get back to work and to get back to um to life in a way i've been seeing some more friends and i hope that you've all had the opportunity to do that too or if you're shielding i hope that you've managed to find some good tv that you didn't know existed and that you're having a really good binge on a box set I've got another brilliant episode for you this week. Thank you, first of all. So many people got in touch after Michelle Hardwick's episode last week. I loved that conversation. And I think potentially uh, that episode has opened uh, me up to some new listeners. Maybe some people that are really into soaps and love Michelle's work. That maybe are coming to listen to the podcast as allies or as queer people that didn't know it existed. So hello to you as well if you're new to the show. I hope that you uh, really enjoy the time that you spend with us here on out. Um, Lots of messages so thank you for all of those loads of tweets and Instagram messages and emails and I just appreciate it so much. Um, I've had some new comments on the iTunes app which is super helpful so if you do have time to rate and review that is always massively appreciated. Okay I'm going to share three emails this week because why not? I'm going to share some emails from our wonderful, wonderful listeners. And then I've got a fantastic episode with Lottie Jeffs and Stu Oakley, who host a podcast called Some Families, which is a brilliant podcast about, well, it's about queer parenting, but across the whole LGBTQIA plus spectrum. So hopefully many of you will have heard of it. But if you haven't, Hopefully, this is a new podcast that you'll enjoy as well. I really enjoyed chatting to Lottie and Stu, and I really hope that you enjoy that conversation. But first of all, let's have some emails. Hi, Susie. We met last night at 21 Soho, and I wanted to thank you for making time to talk to me. Your podcast has really been a saving grace for me and so many others over the last year and a bit, and I'm so thankful that you and the show exists. I started to realise that I liked women in my early twenties and quickly pushed away any thoughts as growing up in an orthodox family it was forbidden and a sin and I guess I was ashamed of myself. Six years later I came out to my closest friend and decided to start exploring my sexuality a little. Fast forward a few months later and I decided to tell my parents that I liked women and men, which actually isn't the case. Two weeks before the first lockdown happened. In hindsight, I don't think I would have done it if I'd known there was going to be a national lockdown. It was met initially by shock and then it quickly turned to anger and hate with my mum saying she'd rather take her life than see me with a woman. This hate has continued since then, but I was fortunate enough to stumble across your podcast whilst looking for similar stories in the community. It's been a shining beacon of hope through the worst year of my life and has helped me accept myself more and more each week as I hear all the beautiful stories of the guests you have on your show and those that write in. And not only makes me feel less alone, but gives me some hope for the future. I am now so much more comfortable in telling my friends and my growing support network ...and have met someone who is on a similar journey of acceptance... ...and your podcast has helped them too. Thank you for helping put these stories into the world. Lots of love. And this person has asked to remain anonymous. First of all, it was such a pleasure to meet you... ...and I think your partner... maybe ...I think it was your partner... um, ...at the 21 Soho gig. We were doing a gig for Campaign Against Living Miserably... ...who are an amazing mental health charity. And so it was so nice to meet you. I think that you might be one of the first out listeners... ...I've met in real life... ...because this podcast has been created in lockdown... I've only met a handful of people that have have listened to the show or have come to it via like-minded friends or via my stand-up. So I think you might be one of the first people that I've met that has come to me via the podcast, which is lovely. It was so nice to meet you and to chat to you and to hang out and say hello and have a picture, which you've attached, where we all look sort of slightly bananas, but um, I think we look like we're having fun, which I think is the most important thing. Um, Thank you for coming along to the show and thank you for stopping and talking to me. I've mentioned on the show before, um, I'm about to go back out on tour and I'm gigging again and meeting people who love this podcast. Um, I don't know, it just feels really special to me. So thank you for coming over and saying hello. It was my absolute pleasure to talk to you. And it sounds like you've had a hell of a year and I really hope that you're doing okay. And it sounds like you're I mean, it sounds like you're doing really well. So I'm sending you all the best and lots of love back to you. Okay, let's go on to another one. Dear Susie, I recently discovered your podcast and it came to me at a great time. I recently had to undergo two brain surgeries, which has meant I've had a lot of time sat doing nothing. And so I've binged all of the episodes. I've smiled and laughed and cried along with you and your brilliant guests. And I felt like I've got something new from every episode. I'm happy to report that I'm doing great now, but I thought it was high time that I write in. First of all, I mean, I'm so thrilled that you're doing well. Wow, two brain surgeries. I mean, that must've been so scary. And I mean, go you, right? Go you, you're doing well. Bloody good for you, mate, okay. I went to an all-girls high school which wasn't the best place to realise that you were a girl attracted to other girls. I was lucky to have a good friendship group with girls who cared and looked out for me but that didn't stop other students shouting the classics like Dyke and Leza at me in the corridors and being over the top about hiding from me during changing for PA. Ugh. It definitely gave me a sense of shame about my sexuality and... So it was something I hid. There wasn't much lesbian representation in the media either and I certainly didn't see any adults around me who were gay and had normal lives. I came out to my parents when I was about 16 and I'm so lucky to say they honestly didn't bat an eyelid and have never been anything but accepting of me. However, I kept this part of myself hidden from my Nan, who was one of my favorite people in the world, for fear that she wouldn't understand or would be upset. I vowed to myself that I wouldn't come out to her until I met the person who I thought was the one. Turns out, I hugely underestimated her, as when I finally came out to her, she too didn't bat an eyelid and welcomed my partner into the family the same way she did for my siblings. I've now been happily married for nearly four years to the most phenomenal woman, and I'm pretty sure my nan prefers my wife to me, calling her the granddaughter she never had, she already has four, and giving her a special mug when she makes tea. In my professional life, I'm a biology teacher, a job which I love. Going into the profession, I was told by lots of people to keep my sexuality a secret from the other staff and especially from the students for fear that it would cause issues. So I did at first. Fast forward a couple of years, I'd just got engaged and my students were asking about my ring, the proposal, what my husband looked like and what he did for work, etc. Without thinking, I corrected them and told them I was marrying a woman and then swiftly ended the conversation by telling them to focus on the work they needed to do. It was honestly the best unplanned coming out because it started a chain of events that led to today. I'm now open and honest with my colleagues and students about the fact that I'm gay and I'm married to a woman. I also try to make an effort to include references to LGBTQ scientists in lessons to highlight the facts that we're often written out of history. I love that. I've never had any issues with negative comments from any students, only ever a few parents. Teenagers get a lot of stick, but generally they're much more open and accepting of each other for who they are. I had a letter from a student recently who said she'd had the courage to come out to her parents and friends, in part because of me, and I can't tell you how brilliant that made me feel. I will cherish that letter forever. I hope that sharing this part of my life with my students, it will help them to see that gay people are just normal people with normal jobs and normal, often quite mundane lives. Something I desperately wish I knew growing up. Anyway, I'll stop writing now as this is starting to feel like an essay. It's not. Thanks, Shannon. Feel free to use my name if you decide to read this out. I would love for you to. Well, here I have. I've I've read it out for you, Shannon. First of all, I hope that your health is okay. What a time to go through surgery. I hope that you're feeling good. I hope that you're thriving. Um, And how much I wish that you were one of my school teachers. How amazing it would have been uh, for me as a teenager to see someone like you living an authentic life and how inspiring I would have found that. I bet that you are I mean, I bet that you are changing hearts and minds more than you know. So thank you for writing in and um, I send you all my best. Also, your nan sounds brilliant. You know I've got a soft spot for nan's. Your nan sounds like she's absolutely brilliant. Okay, I'm going to share one more today. Why not? Hi, Susie. I hope you had a wonderful week and you're enjoying the world opening back up and getting back to doing what you do so well. Thank you. I wanted to write in to say thank you. Thank you for creating a platform where I feel so safe, welcome, understood and where I'm still learning. You do it with such ease and I wish there was just so much more of it across many different platforms to reach so many more people. As someone who feels like they know quite a lot about the LGBTQIA community, it just goes to show I still have so much more to learn and your podcast does that so well. I have a pile of to be read books sitting there for my summer holidays. I feel the same. I feel like I'm constantly learning as well. Constantly. Additionally, as someone who has known that they're definitely not straight since I was 14, it's taken the best part of 10 years to finally battle through that internalised homophobia. Those lovely intense female friendships, what was it about female PE teachers, and to feel comfortable in my own skin. On the outside, I've always presented myself as a really strong, straight ally, showing how loving and accepting I am of everyone in the LGBTQIA family, going to Pride as an ally and constantly reminding everyone that love is love. But inside, I'm not so brave. I would always secretly watch shows with lesbian relationships in it, pining to be as brave as them. Callie and Arizona in Grey's Anatomy will always have a special place in my heart, ha ha. Going through high school, going through third year education and eventually into teaching myself, I've always presented myself as straight and I've always used the excuse, I'm just too busy to date. But the real answer should have been, I actually want to date girls, but I don't want to use dating apps to do so. One, for the ease of fitting in and the worry of homophobia. And two, because I didn't want to change the way my friends saw me, especially in the school I teach in. At work, some people know, but not everyone for the reasons above. It still upsets me how careful we need to be about saying, I have a girlfriend, or actually, no, you don't need to find me a boyfriend or a husband. It's actually a girlfriend or a wife that I want. I think some people I work with would pass out with shock, but I use my voice as a teacher to let my little kiddos know that the boys can wear that princess dress, that the girls can play with the cars and that they can be who they want to be, love who they want to love and that every family looks different. It's a real shame that stereotypes have ingrained in them already, but I'm here to knock down those walls. Although I'm still not out to everyone, I finally went on a date last night. I tweeted you a couple of weeks ago to say that I'd finally asked someone out. I remember that. I remember that. Um, I would like to be brave enough to say that it went very well with a wonderful girl who understands the journey of self-acceptance, but also the fear of coming out. I guess it's something we can both hopefully work on together in the future. So thank you again, Susie, for helping me feel brave. Thank you for helping me feel heard. Thank you for creating a platform it's another stepping stone of self-acceptance. I think what you're doing is truly wonderful and I'm sure I will tell you that at a gig sometime. I desperately need to grab a ticket to, who knows, maybe date three or four with my girl. Have a lovely week until I hear the next pod. Much love. Um, And right at the end, they've put... If you do read this out, I'd also like to add at the end, in true pod spirit, a small piece of advice to anyone listening. You've got time. Don't feel you have to rush into coming out. Just follow your own path and explore it for as long as you need to. Your LGBTQIA plus family will be here to welcome you with open arms. I mean, what a lovely piece of advice at the end. Thank you so much for all the kind things that you said about me. Another teacher oh, how I wish these teachers existed in my schools. Maybe they did. They probably did exist in my school, but they just didn't feel like they could um, speak openly. I know that there were definitely two lesbian teachers at my school, but they definitely weren't allowed to talk about it. But what a difference it would have made to me if they could have. Thank you for all the kind things that you say about the podcast. I always feel slightly embarrassed sharing them because it sounds like I'm really bragging. But when you're saying thank you to me, yes, I mean, I get in touch with the guests and I sort of, you know, I do the interviews, but the people that really are amazing are the people that come on and share their stories and give me their time and so when you're thanking me really you're thanking the incredible guests I've had over the last three series Um, but thank you for writing in those three emails really moved me this week if you want to get in touch please do the email is hello at com. Uh, let's move on to today's episode just to let you know the series is going to finish next week i've got a fantastic episode to end the series with and then over summer i'm going to be reaching out to lots of different people um, if there's suggestions that you have please let me know i'm constantly asking people some people say yes some people say no some people don't respond but i will keep on trying to get a broad diverse wonderful range of lgbtqia people to chat to in series four Okay, let's go to today's conversation. It is Lottie Jeffs and Stu Oakley who host a fabulous podcast called Some Families. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am very excited to share today's guests with you. Today I'm chatting to Lottie Jeffs, an author, journalist, and former editor-in-chief, and Stu Oakley, a film publicist, who together have a brilliant podcast called Some Families. It's a podcast about parenting, but through an LGBTQIA plus lens. I'm a huge fan of their podcast. It's insightful, funny, warm, informative. I love it. What a pleasure it is to have them on the show today. Hello, Stu and Lottie.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having us.
2: Well, I love the podcast, so it's it's the first time we've done sort of a cross-pollination podcast, so it's very exciting to have you both on. So before we sort of talk about the podcast, I guess let's, let's talk about you guys. So Lottie, I'm sort of aware of you from your writing, and um, I feel like you're sort of a professional
1: lesbian, is that an okay thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Do you know, I've just been thinking recently, like, how much I hate the word lesbian. I just, I don't, I've
2: never liked it. That's so funny. So many women on the podcast have said that.
1: Yeah. That word, like, literally sticks in the back of my throat to say it out loud.
0: Why do you think that is, both of you? Like, why?
1: <sighs> it's just a, like onomatopoeically a horrible <laughs> word. I think it's because it's something that was shouted at school. And it was shouted at school. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It sounds like sexual. It sounds, it just, it, it also sounds so like, specific like it leaves no room for any doubts so yeah like professional lesbian I'm gonna own it like that's fine
2: do you prefer professional gay lady
1: professional gay professional gay, professional gay. I
2: mean you can just be a professional if you want
1: no no prof- like professional gay, like professional gay 100% yes I've written about gay stuff for probably about 15 years it kind of started off as I was like a jobbing journalist like just out of university and I was like this can be my thing. This is what I can talk about that other people can't talk about. Mm -hmm. So I just was like, you know, messaging the independent, like full of chutzpah as a sort of 19, 20 year old graduate, suggesting story ideas, saying, as a gay person, obviously, I'm the only person that could possibly talk about this. And But it worked, and, you know, that's always my advice for young people when they're trying to get into journalism is, like, find your niche. What can you talk about that other people can't? So I have written, like, if you Googled my name, it would literally be, like, gay 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 gay, stories about like different things and then since becoming a gay parent obviously got a load of mileage out of that as well (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's great that that's how you see it you know it's all copy as Nora Ephron said and um you know I I'm proud of that somebody's got to do it and it might as well be me no it's not that somebody's got to do it it's
2: that you're great at, at talking about your sort of lived experience and it's really important that that's shared oh thanks So, in your sort of professional life, you've always been
1: out. I have been. Yes, I'm one of those people that can't stand any kind of social awkwardness in any form. So, I will always out myself to make it easy for the other person. So, I don't want to put the other person in an awkward situation. So, I'll always be the I'll always like make it okay for them by telling them before they wonder if you know what I mean mega like
0: people pleaser behavior
2: I, I mean I think I do a similar thing I mean I do it on stage as well to be like I'm gonna clear this up yeah so that everyone's got it
0: I never have to clear it up ever I think that's always I think as a an uberly camp like jazz hands gay it's it, that's one thing I never have to do although having said that from a parenting point of view I always out myself as an adoptive parent now In in similar to what Lottie was saying in the sense of like if I'm at the school gate or if I'm out with the kids and people are like, hmm, two men and children, I'm always like, we adopted them and we did this because I always feel that people are wondering that. And it's like, might as well just get it out there and just say it and just be open about it. And, mm. and I feel there's a way of like, it's that whole thing of no shame to adoption as well. For, for them, for the kids as well, like they know yeah. they're adopted, we talk about them being adopted and I think the more open we are about it, the more that they will grow up as well, understanding that there's nothing wrong with it and hey yeah I'm adopted so what? I, I, it's been interesting the parallels I found between being queer and the adoption process if I'm being honest.
2: Tell me more about that. Oh I've, I've,
0: I've opened a can of worms now haven't I? Yeah you have um,
2: but <laughs> luckily I'm here to record those worms.
0: I think it's really just that. It's about being honest and open and talking about things and help and educating people as well and helping people understand. And eliminating shame, you know, mm-hmm. there's shame. There is a huge amount of shame um, that's been instilled in uh, adoptees over the years because they feel that either they've done something wrong, or it's been their fault that they've put in, they've been put into the situation they're in when it can be further from the truth. And then the same as we all know with from an LGBTQ plus point of view, you know, there's a lot of shame that comes just from societal. You know, history as it were. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I think there's definite parallels there.
1: But, Stu, do you not think like a counter argument is that we carry the emotional labor of straight people and like actually you don't need to do all of that work and that we should allow other people to do that work?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, too right. But that's not how the world works right now, is it? So, we know that there's a lot of labor that we have to do ourselves. True.
2: I think that is true. So growing up as a, a young gay man, did you know that you always wanted to adopt?
0: I've always known I wanted children. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I think for a long time, I didn't think about the avenue to having them. They were just, I just always wanted children. And I i married my husband, John, um, not married him young. Um, I mean, I was quite young, but I met him when I was young. I met him when I was only 21. And, and he is the thir- he was 30 when I met him. So I've always, it's almost, it's always that like I've always been that nine years older in my head because of working towards where he is in his life stages. So right from the very moment of meeting him, even though I was young, I was thinking about children. Um, and when we first started talking about it, we were very much on the same page that adoption was the way forward for us.
2: Because I've spoken to um, friends and people on the show when they've said sort of, when they were growing up and realising they were gay, alongside the sort of the shame that, you know, is just sort of in the world sometimes, not that it should be there, but but it exists when you're growing up and realising that you're different and realising that you're maybe queer. I And I know that I found this myself at, at some points where I thought, can I become a parent? Is this sort of a possibility for me? Did you have
0: that? I don't know if it's a, I didn't, to be honest. And I don't know if that's just because I always live in some kind of, blooming fantasy land and I just never even thought about the impossibility of it I just always knew what I wanted and I always used to dream when I was younger like years before civil partnerships or marriage equality came into play I remember laying in bed with my friend at like 10 talking about our dream weddings and what my wedding was going to be like and you know what I was going to wear and who was going to come like I just I suppose it just never occurred to me The the obstacles that were there. It was just always, I know I want kids, so I'll have them one day. I suppose I didn't really make that connection, as it were. And when you
2: were ten, were you marrying a boy in that daydream?
0: Oh yeah, I can only think who it was at that time. (laughs) Although I did go through a very weird stage of Kate Winslet um That's not weird. On... I
2: think I think Lottie and I can probably both <laughs> confirm that. There's nothing weird about that. She, it, she she's beyond gender. She's just so she's so fabulous. Perfect.
0: Do you remember that Titanic book? I think we're similar age, Susie. So mm-hmm. I don't know if. So I think at the time that Titanic came out, and Lottie's similar age as well. I'm not just saying she's like some older lady <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the corner of the Zoom screen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there was. There was a Titanic making of book, which I Mm -hmm. adored and I loved. And because I loved that film. I think I saw it about five times at the cinema. I loved that film too. Oh, so good. And I pulled out the picture... There was, a pic, there's a, there was a picture in the Making Of book of Kate with her the heart of the ocean nestled in between. And that was sure. bang on my wall next to Jerry Halliwell. And I was like, oh, I love Kate, I love Kate. I mean, looking back now, I think it was just, I love Kate in the way that I still love Kate in the sense of, wow, what a lovely pair she has and <laughs> isn't she an icon? What a woman. <laughs> Rather than it being anything else.
1: <laughs> I was just going to ask Susie, who did you have on your wall as posters when you were... Um, it's funny
2: that you bring up Kate. Kate Winslet, because in in an episode with uh, my dear friend and writer, Kayleigh Llewellyn, we talk at great depth about Kate Winslet in Titanic. Probably too much depth for my mother-in-law that listens to every episode of the show. (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, I I was sort of, I was obsessed with um, Alanis Morissette, especially there's an episode of Sex and the City where she kisses Carrie that... Oh, yeah, I'm not even joking, blew my mind.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: And then probably... um, Pushed De Rossi because of Ali McBeal and because of her kiss with mm. Lucy Liu.
1: Oh yeah, classic. We were literally like clutching at anything, <laughs> any, we? yeah, absolutely. Was, like, <laughs> I
2: mean, anything that I was like, oh, Katie tunstall has got a rainbow guitar holder. Yeah, I fancy <laughs> yeah. her a bit. Like she'll do. Yeah, like anyone that had any kind of gay vibes.
1: What about um, Nave Campbell? Yes. It's, uh, uh, what was that film where she kisses? Um, Wild things, wild things, yeah, yes! Wild oh my things, god, she yeah. was on my wall. Uh, um, Natalie and classic. Who was the other one? Um, Charlene Spiteri. Oh, Lesbe, it's all Lesbe. It was the, I know.
0: and yeah. Lottie, I feel actually you're giving listeners won't see, but I feel like you're giving Natalie and Brulia torn vibes. Well, I was gonna say look.
2: Charlene <laughs> Spiteri's vibes. <laughs> I would oh. say. well, it's the wet hair. It's the it's,
1: it's the, the post bath hair. It's a good look.
2: Thank you. It's strong. So did you, um, when you had Mead Campbell on your wall, how old would you have been?
1: Oh, like 15, 16. So I went to a fabulous state school in southeast London. And by the time I was in the sixth form, there were about 10 out gay people. Oh, wow. Including myself. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was just like a really it was a rough school. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a hippie school. It was, but it had a kind of, there was something incredible about it. And it was basically like, if you owned your identity, you weren't bullied. Like if you were just like, yeah, I'm gay. Then that was like all the, what we called in those days, rude boys would be like, Oh yeah, safe. Like they're gay. Like, you know, that was just, it it was, if you were a tall sort of, um, fragile or unsure of yourself like that's more when you got bullied so yeah like my best friend Will came out as gay when we were in year eight so that's what like 14 and then he started going to a a gay youth group in Hackney around like when he was like 15 16 and I sort of went to that gay youth group in Hackney with him and I was like "Mm, these people are like interesting I'm feeling something here and then I came out when I was I think in year nine or ten, 16, and then I got a girlfriend when I was in sixth form who was in lower six and we'd walk through the corridors like holding hands like we would you know snog in like the sixth form common room like I remember once I was in a um, <laughs> theatre studies performance of Our Country's Good mm-hmm. and had to wear like a corset and I remember having like some fun times with her when I was in my like (laughs) my costume before the um before the performance in the drama theater so it was like a really open-minded school uh although you know I was bullied but I don't think I was bullied for being gay like one it was almost like once I came out as gay I was like that was it like it was all right I wish
2: I went to your school did you grow up in London no I grew up in Portsmouth
1: Oh okay, yeah. I mean I was very lucky to go to that school. It it's a school that like a, randomly a load of bands um have come out of, like Hot Chip, the XX, oh, cool. um Fortet, uh biggest claim to fame is one of So Solid Crew
0: went to our school. That is very cool. Yeah, it's a very cool, that's a really cool school logic. I didn't realise that.
1: What's what school was it? It's called Elliot. It's
0: like sex education or something. Like she, it, it sounds was, like it she was in like was some like kind of that. TV show.
1: Yeah I remember my friend um, Scarlett who was bisexual and I started a women's group and uh, when we were in like year 11 or lower 6 or something and we we, were, <laughs> we did a talk about the myth of the female orgasm and we went around like plastering like big poke, we'd made like this big collage of like a woman like groaning in pleasure and we went and like plastered these posters all around the school. I love that, were you out at school Stu?
0: Oh Yes. But not necessarily by choice, I don't think. So, fun fact, I've never come out ever, um, really. And I never did at school either. I was just, I think I've just always been gay. (laughs) And I felt always, like, there was never a defining point for me. And I I think in some ways, maybe other people at school helped me realise who I was along the journey, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. And being called things and like being called out for things helped me define who I was as well. I was always, you know, I always, I I, I had a bit of a weight. um, I was quite weighty, let's just say, when I was at school. And uh, I used to have a real complex about man boobs as well. And I used to get shouted at all the time in the corridors like, hey, you've got bigger tits than my mum. And... Kind of linked to what Lottie was just saying. I just, just, I just, I just ended up owning it. And the more I owned it, the more it just stopped and I just became Stew. Like I'd I'd, I'd go up to them and be like, oh yeah, come and have a feel or, you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah. I think they're, I think they're a bit bigger than your mum's and things like I just come up with little quips and I don't even know where that came from, but it just kind of came from somewhere. And that immediately just, I feel it put me in a different level if that makes sense, it, it, by talking back to them and by standing up for myself, I, I didn't become a victim, if that made sense. Yeah, I love that.
1: That's probably why we're so, like, people-pleasy as, like, gay parents now, because it's, like, the same thing in us that's, like, death, you know, we, our drive to not be othered by someone else, like, drives us so much. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So how did the podcast come about? Well there was a gap in the market you know there is no uh, podcast or there was at the time um, no podcast about uh, LGBTQ plus parents and actually this incredible um, production company called Story Hunter approached me and asked if I'd be interested in hosting it and then I was like yes but I need somebody to bounce off and I thought of Stu because I'd worked with Stu when I was um an editor at Elle magazine and Stu was a publicist at Disney. We tried to sort of get a few projects off the ground together. Um, And then, yeah, the rest is history.
2: Because I think it's so great. I mean, it's no secret that I want to be a parent. And as soon as I found it, because I found it because my friend Jen Brister was on it and she tweeted about it and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I think it is so brilliant. I'm so pleased it exists. I just, I, I, I listened I think I'm a couple behind in the current episodes, but my partner and I have listened to basically all of them. And I just think it's, it's so brilliant that it exists. It's so brilliant that it's out there. Did you feel like it was like, I guess you've mentioned this before a little bit, to so you about talking about adoption, but did you feel like it was something that you really wanted to share, that that was something that, that you wanted sort of queer people to know that they could do? <sighs>
0: I, when Lottie first called me about it and we had a chat about doing it, it really, I think the thing that took me by surprise and the thing that made me want to do it more than anything else was the fact that there wasn't anything else out there in the Mm -hmm. podcast world that was, or even, I mean, there's very little outside the podcast world either that celebrates queer families. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was an immediate pull into, Mm -hmm. into wanting to do it. And I think, the whole thing that, if I can just say, the thing I love most about the podcast without yeah. trying to <laughs> sell it too much and trying to get people to be like, come and listen, is the fact that I love doing it with Lottie for two reasons. Is one, I mean, I think you and Tom and like minded friends are a, a, a clear example of this, of actually. Lesbian and gays coming together and being a united front, which you don't often see mm-hmm. um, within the community, and I think that really interested me. But also the fact that we've come to parenting from a completely different viewpoint, and I have learned so much about Lottie's journey and the journey that that women who go through IUI donor mm-hmm. conception. Um, and that Yeah, whole when process, we first started
1: chatting about it, Stu kept calling me a surrogate.
0: Yeah, kept calling it surrogacy. So
1: I, because um, for listeners that don't know, I uh, my wife got pregnant by IUI, which is like basically insemination with donor, a mm-hmm. uh, donor sperm, and um, Stu. You know, quite understandably, didn't have any like reference points for this. So I think he was sort of confusing it with surrogacy and was thinking somehow I was the surrogate and whatever. So the journey you've been on, Stu, to like learn about how gay women and women generally like conceive has been has been huge
0: and I think hopefully that's then something that the the queer community can listen to and learn and use it as an opportunity to educate themselves on a process that maybe is different to the journey they've taken Mm -hmm. or is maybe different to the journey they're thinking about taking I've learned a huge amount from it
2: but I think that's really like I totally agree with what you're saying about sort of I think it's not rare is too strong, but it does feel like in the queer community, we are sometimes sort of segregated and we're not sort of in, it's not sort of encouraged that we're not that we're not allies. Of course we're allies to each other, but like the gay men go here and the lesbians go here and they're not together. And I think it's really important that that happens more that we are sort of a united front, certainly when it comes to sort of including all letters in the LGBTQIA plus alphabet, you know, and that's a great thing that you guys have managed to do on your podcast as well, is
1: really get sort of a,
2: a broad range of different types of people.
1: I think that's the great thing about parenting full stop, is, like, it really does unite you with all sorts of kinds of people. And actually, mm-hmm. like, talking about kids can be, like, very helpful when you meet people who you literally have nothing else in common with. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I think that not only, yeah, within the gay community, but just... People can relate, you know, people that might think, you know, being gay, being queer is so sort of other to them and Mm -hmm. they have no way of relating to it. Once they know that you have children and they have children, it's like a benchmark for them and you can kind of work, work from there. So, yeah, I think that's something I've really learned from doing the podcast as well, just how like democratizing parenting is. Oh, yeah, that's a really great way to put it.
2: And so do you always come out as a parent? Do you always like I know Stu. You, you said before about you always coming out as an adoptive parent, but do you always come out as queer as well?
1: It depends on the circumstances. I remember it was funny when I went into my NCT class, um, me and my wife went in. You know, I was like geared up, ready to be like, I'm a lesbian. We're a lesbian couple. This is how it works. <laughs> like I was really like primed and like ready for it. And I walk in and there's these two women sitting together like with one of them on a Pilates ball and the other one like massaging their shoulders and I was like oh oh so it's another lesbian couple well that changes everything (laughs) and um it was sort of this funny thing my wife was my my wife Jenny she never thinks people are gay she's always like they're probably just friends (laughs) (laughs) like they're literally kissing each other (laughs)
2: She doesn't think that you two are just friends does
1: she? I don't think so. I think (laughs) She's she's okay about that but um yeah it was a funny thing because I just did not expect to find another lesbian couple in our like um random southeast London NCT group but most of the time I think yeah I want people to know that I'm a gay parent I guess like I I think certainly when it would come to schools and things like that it would be super important when I'm just out and about with my kid you know you you, most of the time you don't have time to think about anything else like you're yeah. not thinking about like I'm a gay parent I need to make a point you're just like what does she need does she need juice like yeah do I need to leave for now because she's about to have a tantrum like that's the reality of it
0: so I have a funny story that happened last week actually and I haven't told Lottie this yet which okay is oh quite funny. we got an
1: exclusive go for it it's an
0: exclusive <laughs> I was on, so I'm working on this production at the moment and I was on set the other week and I was speaking to someone on the crew and it's someone who I've spoken to a lot over the last couple of months and talked about the kids a lot and talked about just general kid family stuff. Mostly because she was phoning me up on the phone a lot of the time and I had three of them that I was trying to push away from the phone and run around while they were screaming so I had to give some kind of explanation. Anyway, it was on set and we were just chatting and I said something about the kids and then she just said, oh, um, she said, oh, so is your wife home with them today? No. Yeah. And I just, I just looked, I just, I was like, I was just, I was so taken back because going back to what I was saying before, where I've never had to really come out, the fact that somebody, I mean, it's very rare that someone assumes that I have a wife. And <laughs> I was just, I was floored. And I was like, and my only reaction to it was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, what? And she was like, oh, well, I didn't know. And and I was like, oh, well, I'm so clearly gay. I just thought you would have known. And she, and interestingly, she said, oh, well, because you've talked about having kids, we, so it obviously been a, a more than just her, assumed that, that you had a wife which is so interesting which is interesting on so many levels because yeah I mean do people still it's such a heteronormative thing to have children obviously in a lot of people's minds it is though it's still
1: so unusual
0: And I must, there must have been some kind of like gossip going on about this like hugely closeted, like gay man who, you know, his poor wife with the kids, you know, I can just, I can just picture it in their head. So uh, (laughs) it was just a really like, it was just one of those moments where it just clicks you back into reality sometimes and you think, oh, okay, this is the world that I'm kind of living in and even and she was and she was great and to to be fair to her she's she was amazing we had a good chuckle about it afterwards but it was just a really interesting experience
2: Mm. that is really interesting I I remember at one point and and forgive me if I'm like getting this wrong but you on one episode you were talking about sylvanian families and buying two sets Mm. and sort of swapping so that the the children had two mummies and the other ones had two daddies and do you find that you're still sort of really searching out for representation for your children?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. that's nothing. Like you would never get a gay Sylvanian family. Mm-hmm. You just wouldn't. Books, it's getting increasingly better and easier to find books that have got like good representation. But sometimes some of the get gay- LGBTQ books, they're quite they're not, you know, necessarily by the big publishers. They don't have the same sort of production values sometimes as some of the like more mainstream books that you buy in, in Sainsbury's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that that's changing, but yeah, I'm, I'm always seeking out examples because it, it makes such a difference. Like it's just so nice for kids to see people who have similar families to their own. So my wife and I have been, you know, really trying to cultivate friendships with other people you know two mums two dads it's we just really want our daughters to grow up with other examples of families like hers in Mm -hmm. her immediate vicinity
0: yeah absolutely fun fact is that Lottie's little girl has never met my children and even our partners because we've done so much of some families in lockdown even our like Jenny Lottie's wife and John my husband they've not met either it's so crazy we're going to have this big kind of hopefully reunion soon.
1: Massive Lady Gaga party because both, all of our children love Lady Gaga, which is us pushing our gay agenda.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, why wouldn't they? That makes perfect sense
1: to me. I know my um, daughter's favourite songs are um, Let's Have a Kiki by Scissor Sisters and Rain On Me by Lady Gaga.
0: <laughs> We're going to have just this big Gaga Scissor Sisters party. I can't wait. <laughs> I love it. But to, I mean, to answer your question as, as well, Susie, I think... As Lottie said, it's getting better. There's a lot more to be done. And I think something that we've covered recently with some of the guests we've spoken to is actually what needs to happen is it not just feel like it's a tick tick box done. Like, oh, well, there's a book now, there's a couple of books now about gay parents and that should be it. Like everybody should be encouraged to, if they want to write a story about gay families and queer families, they should just do it and not be put off by the fact that there's a few out there already in the market because nobody sets a limit on the amount of books there are about heteronormative families. So why should we do the same from a from a queer point of view? So, you know, there needs to be more. And I think there's some great people out there doing things like Puffin and producing some amazing books. Um, CBB's big shout out to CBeebies because I actually think the content that they put out is really inclusive of a lot of families still could do better but i think they're doing great things so
1: i don't know if you've noticed but like on grown-up tv recently i've noticed more and more examples of queer parents call my agent anyone watching that no but everyone's telling me to yeah okay so sexy french lesbian
0: okay fine i'll watch it tonight
1: fine (laughs) okay you have to watch (laughs) you literally will need to watch like two series to get to the sorry spoiler alert like, Listen, I, I you know how hard it is to find lesbians on TV. Forward, yeah. I'm willing to I'm willing to do she's, the groundwork. She's great. You'll love her. She's such a great character. Her then there was um, that amazing Luca. Um, what's his name? Stu. I can never pronounce his Italian surname. Don't the guy that did
0: yeah, um, a bigger splash. And a, yeah, a bigger splash,
1: and he did this amazing like queer love story um, that they had. Chloe Sevigny played a lesbian mum. Then, of course, there's the lesbian mums on um, sex education. Mm-hmm. And then who else? Oh, in has anyone watched Flight Attendant? Yes. Oh, it's so good. And you just the, right the, the brother just happens to be a gay dad. And it's like, yeah. it's not a plot point. He's just a, a gay dad. Yes, so yes. I think it's really great that we're seeing more and more examples of um, queer parents on TV without it being like a big drama.
0: I'd like it to... The, I th- I feel that my goal, as in my personal goal for it, would be I, I really want one of the soaps to include a queer family and not in a in a really positive way because they haven't really done that either. Like Something like EastEnders or Coronation Street. Just oh, to, yeah,
1: surely. It's only a matter of time.
0: You know, because, yeah, they've had lots of gay characters and they've given lots of different variants of, you know, representing all the different variants of, of queer people that there are in the world but where are the families and where's like I want a, I want a Mitchell-esque queer family yes oh my are God, you, that are you auditioning
2: for that role yeah he has the
0: head there go <laughs> I could be the long lost Mitchell brother that, that's gay yeah, and but, has listen, anyone from in. listening this... I need to try and cast who my husband would be though I need to have a think about that <laughs> yeah Jamie Dornan done oh yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that I think you're right. The representation
2: is improving, but like I mean, it's nowhere near where we all want it to be. I, I thought that this week I was watching two shows that I really enjoyed this week: um, "Line of Duty" and um, "Line of Duty" and that, "Unforgotten." Uh, oh. And in both of them, there was a lesbian who was
1: who was sort of like a murderer. Oh, oh great lesbians! Ah, oh, no, yeah. they're killing people. Can they just <laughs> not? kill people or be killed. I just watched some great films at the um, LGBTQ plus film festival. Actually, I watched a really nice one called um, Sweetheart, a kind of young lesbian, like coming of age film. That was really nice because her coming out, like wasn't the point of it. The parent, like the mum was all- already knew she was gay and was fine about it. It was like the drama came from her love story. And I think that's nice when you see that, when it's like, oh, just, I don't want to keep seeing gay people having a miserable time. Mm, the like the trauma, a- you know, like
0: Yeah, I was listening to um not to not to plug another podcast, but uh I was listening to Table Manners with Dan Levy and he was yeah, and he was talking about Shits Creek and how for him representing and putting a queer couple at the center of it and a gay character at the center of it who was just so unashamedly like romantic and positive and nothing really like bad happened to them he felt was almost like a bigger statement than doing something where somebody has loads of trauma and it feels like gay trauma porn because it just was a way of showing that you know what you're gay and you're happy and that's it totally
1: and that's kind of been my like how I've approached working in like fashion magazines is you know I'm always suggesting stories featuring lgbtq issues but also like i'm not afraid of just like a bit of glamour and a bit of fun and a bit of that side of the world as well you know it doesn't always have to be like dark and full of trauma of course that is so many people's lived experiences but also so many people do have a good time being gay like I had a great time being gay as a young person I was out in Soho when I was 17 you know I loved it and I've always loved being gay and it's been like the most it's honestly been like the best thing in my life being gay and I'm so happy that I am and I would never choose to be anything else I think it's important to hear those stories as well as the stories of like people who have who have suffered because not everybody experiences it the same way. Totally, I completely
2: agree, and I I had issues when I was coming out w- with my sexuality, but n- now I I absolutely love being gay. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I, like I love my friends and my, my like you know my my whole sort of the, the community that I have is is just you know some people are straight, some people are gay, some people are non-binary, like, and it's wicked. It's brilliant, and yeah. I think that's a brilliant thing that your podcast does as well. I know I've really banged on about how brilliant it is, but I think that joyfulness because I think that was that's the fear a lot of time for people who are in the in the queer community and thinking about becoming parents I think like potentially the first thing you could think is can I do it is it okay if I do it what will it be like for my child at school will they get bullied because of me oh god like you I think you build up all of this fear in your
1: head and and you don't think about all of the joyfulness. And I think that's a brilliant thing that your podcast does. I'm so pleased that you think that, because I think that that that's something that Stu and I have really, it's what we authentically feel and believe ourselves. And I think it's really what we want to sort of put out into the world that, you know, just give yourself a break. Like as, as I was saying, like earlier, you know, about the emotional labor that we carry sometimes as gay people, like, you can't protect your child from getting bullied but like that's not a reason to not become a parent you've got to let go of like whatever your experience was Mm -hmm. of being a child and think that your child's experience is going to be totally different and wonderful because you're their parents
0: that's been such a a a plus side to the to the podcast and I'm so glad that you feel that listening to it Susie because that's you know there's so much hope like if you're going into life as a queer parent. There isn't too much to worry about, honestly. And I think it's nice to have a community where we can all talk about the different things. And yes, there are things that do happen along the way, but that's parenting and that can always happen. And you know what? The ride is, is, is not that hard. And, you know, and hopefully by sharing a lot of positive stories, people feel that.
2: I really think they will, I really think they will. Now you've sort of both covered it a little bit, but I will ask the question I ask everyone that comes on the show, which is sort of what advice would you give? And it can either be like a version of yourself when you were, like neither of you had, uh, I'm so sort of delighted to hear that you were both out at school and I'm sure that it had other things that went along with it that weren't ideal, but I wish I was as brave as you, or I wish you were at my school. But um, if you could give a bit of advice to maybe someone that's listening, that's like, you know, maybe they're thinking about becoming a parent or or they've just come out. If you could give them a bit of advice, pick up like, you know, a 1980s dream phone and, mm-hmm. and give them a bit of a hug over the phone, uh, what would you say? Um, we'll come to you, Stu, first.
0: I think it's similar to what I just said in that it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. And the community, there is a community out there that will support and love you. You've just got to search them out a little bit. And in terms of what I would say to myself, and I think what I would say to myself is that you have dreams of becoming a parent. You have dreams of getting married. And that's going to happen. And that can happen for anybody. I think regardless of the, the various homophobia, transphobia, Issues that are going on in society, we can get married, we can love who we want to love. And just hold on to that and the rest will follow and that there will be a community to support you. And things I know it's been used a lot before, it's a big campaign, but things will get better. You know, it's it's a true fact and it does.
1: Mm. That was lovely, Steve. I think I would maybe tell people to really keep an open mind because I think that sometimes people can get fixated on one way of becoming a parent. And if that way doesn't necessarily work out for whatever reason, it can cause a lot of um, stress and make you feel like that's it, that's the end of the road. But as we've um, discovered through doing the show, there are so many different routes to becoming a parent from um, fostering, adopting, surrogacy, IVF, IUI, a known donor, unknown donor, If you want to be a parent, you can most probably make it happen one way or another if you have an open mind to how it's going to happen. So I think I would say going into it, just really hang on to the fact that you want to be a parent and keep an open mind to how that journey might happen for you. So that would be my advice. That's great advice. Um, Lottie, I've just started your book. Oh my god. To... Oh, thanks. Why, why did you react like that? I don't know because I just forget I've written it and I did forget wanna... that anyone I forget you that anyone's reading you it. I do. Stu <laughs> takes the piss of me because he thinks I always talk about it.
0: I've got, but it, no, in re- re- I've got it in reaching distance that I can it. just no. it out and I, go. Oh. Do you know what
1: it is? It's almost like one of those th- you know, like if you were to go back and like read a diary or something <laughs> that you'd written. Like even a year ago or two years ago. I like, mean, that's like my stand-up material that I look that. That, yeah, and you're like, oh God, I can't remember. Yeah, I know. And, and some of mine is still on the iPlayer. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, think- well, exactly. All is mine in the book now. But yeah. I know, I, I do stand by that book. And I do think that that book is like particularly useful for um, lockdown life and just finding a way of being in a really stressful um, situation that you have no control over the subtitle of the book is the art of soft power in hard times and i do stand by all of my advice in that book i did write that book before i had a child so i think i wrote it like as she was she was just born and so like inevitably like your outlook changes your daily life changes like a lot of the sort of like lifestyle advice I give in the book is stuff that I really wish I was in a position to be able to like maintain today but like literally if you looked around my house it's like it's not chaos but like you know standards are slipping
2: <laughs> put it that way <laughs> Well, that's a perfect way to end the podcast standards are slipping <laughs>
1: standards are slipping
2: I loved that chat with Lottie and Stu I thought that was brilliant um I hope that you did too uh, their their podcast is called Some Families, as they mention. Uh, have a listen to it. It's it's really wonderful. Um, if you want to get in touch, please do. The email is hello at com. I'm on all the socials. Um, and if you want to come and see me on tour please do, I would love to meet some of you uh, my website is suzyruffle.com, you can get tickets there quite a lot of the shows are already sold out but um, there are some there are some with remaining tickets and I've got a run at the Soho Theatre that I think we're going to add some extra dates to because it's so close to being completely sold out, so if you're in London, please come along um, I think that those shows are going to be enormous fun and if you're on in any of the places where I'm going out on tour, come to those too I think we're going to have a blast, I'm going to Oh, I'm going to be so excited to do my show again. I think we're, I think it's going to be lots and lots of fun. Um, I will see you next week for the final episode in the series. You have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye.